Blog Talk Radio. Sports fans, sorry about that. We had a little bit of problems getting on the air. But we are here, Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollan in the host chair. And we've got a big show for you. We're going to be talking Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, We're going to bring in a guest, John Perotto, who will – he has a vote on the Baseball Hall of Fame and is going to – they give us some insight into his voting and kind of what goes into the thoughts on being uh, part of the one of the electors and, and someone who has a say in, in voting for the players in. Uh, <clears throat> we did have four players voted on on Wednesday. John did not have one of them, but he'll tell us why and reveal what, whether he voted for Barry Bonds or Roger Crummins. And a lot of good stuff, so you don't want to miss this. Uh, in the second half hour, we'll take a glance ahead to Super Bowl 52. Uh, take a look at the unprecedented success of the New England Patriots. New England is going for its sixth Super Bowl win, which would tie the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know uh, our Pittsburgh Steelers fans are kind of a little pensive about that, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but then we're also going to talk about why it's not time for Steelers fans to be jealous. Um, you know, and I know Dave has a lot to say about that and we're going to bring them in a little bit. Uh, want to invite our audience to join in the conversation. 
516-387-1417. Uh, if you want to talk Hall of Fame, want to talk some NHL. We're going to talk some NHL today, too. So uh, get your hockey hats on. Also, Twitter handle, WKD Sports Huddle. Get us on, uh, on Twitter. And this show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. I'm going to bring in my co-host now. Uh, a co-host who was going to be our host but couldn't quite uh, find his way into the, the studio for, for some reason. He had some technical difficulties. Dave Holcomb, Dave, what's going on? Hey, Tom. You know, it's funny. You and I were just talking about how we can improve our, our tech issues that we've had over the last year and a half with our show. Yeah. And uh, right on cue, <laughs> we, we get another one that we haven't had yet. So I have no idea what happened. Uh, couldn't get – I was I was in the studio, and, and nothing would play. Uh, I, did, I couldn't play the music to start off the show or anything. So, uh, yeah, turn, turned it over to you for today. <laughs> You know, I, I kept hearing buttons being clicked, but and I was wondering what was going on, but I couldn't hear anything. So, um, but no problem. Uh, you know, we still got you here, so we're going to still have some great conversation. And also bringing in from this great state of Virginia, our third co, our second co-host, our third co-host. Is that second or third co-host? I guess he's the third co-host. Hunter Hodes, Hunter, come on in. Hello, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing great. Oh, God. Doing good. Glad I was able to jump in, get into the studio, get things going. Um, looking forward to talking to you guys about the Hall of Fame. And I know you both have uh, opinions on the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, and uh, what the Patriots are going to try to do next week. So we're going to go into that right now. Um, Dave, why don't you introduce our guest since you're the one who uh, who knows him best. Sure, sure. Did, did we say the sponsor of the show? Yes, I did. You did? Okay. Okay, cool. We're ready to roll. Uh, we're bringing on John Parado, uh, a, a sports reporter in Pittsburgh, Kind of a free agent right now, but uh, is writing at Pittsburgh Sports Now, uh, PittsburghHockeyNow.com, um, and, and is become one of my favorite reporters, I would say, in Pittsburgh over the last year. Um, been following him. Does had great coverage of the Pirates at FanRag Sports. Does a lot of great stuff. Um, and we're going to talk with John today about the Baseball Hall of Fame election this past week. Uh, if you didn't see, listeners, Chipper Jones. Trevor Hoffman, Jim Tomey, and Vladimir Guerrero were all elected into the Hall of Fame. I'm 27 years old, and we're now getting to the point, Tom, where these players that I saw when I was a kid and even in high school uh, are, are getting into the Hall of Fame. So that's that's kind of cool for me. And I know Hunter's just a little bit behind me with uh, his uh, experience seeing some of these players when he was young. So uh, we're excited to talk about this. Uh, stuff with John uh, again, John Parado. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, John. Oh, my pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great so, to have uh, you, John. 
it's just great to have somebody who can uh, give us a little inside look into what goes on and, and kind of how these how, how a decision gets made because this decision, you know, 100 years from now, they're going to be looking back on this. And, and you had a part in, in, in bringing these guys into the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's got to be fairly exciting. You know, it is. And, it, you know, and I mean, it's certainly uh... – you know, I mean, it, it's uh, something you, you take pretty seriously when you get that ballot comes in the mail. Uh, usually comes uh, right around right after Thanksgiving and first week of December there, and you know, and you, you look at the ballot, and you think, uh, you know, you, you really have uh, it, quite a responsibility when, when you when you vote. I mean, uh, like you said, a hundred years from now, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you're still going to be in the Hall of Fame, and that's something that's going to be with you the rest of your life and into and, and mortality beyond uh, beyond that. And uh, it really can be life-altering for, for anybody uh, to get elected. I mean, it's it's really the greatest honor that can be stowed on, on a baseball player to eventually make it to the Hall of Fame after their career ends. And, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's quite an honor to, to be part of it. As, uh, you know, it's my 20th year this year that I voted. Uh, you have to be in the baseball writers 10 uh, consecutive years before you get a vote. And I just finished my 30th year in the BBWAA. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it presents some challenges uh, because, uh, the, you know, there's like, you know, any player that makes that ballot, you know, has played for a long time and had a distinguished enough career to at least be considered. And, uh, you know, even though obviously you don't, there are guys that are on the ballot who, who you know aren't quite Hall of Fame worthy, they're still good enough that you think, wow, you know, I mean, at least somebody had a heck of a career. And, you know, I mean, you at least consider the fact they're on there. And it just, it's a very interesting process. And, uh, like I said, uh, it's something I don't take lightly, and uh, and I would say that uh, m- almost all of my constituency, over ninety percent, uh, I think, take very seriously too. Yeah, uh, Dave, you want to jump in here? Uh, sure. I, I was just going to say before we get started that I encourage the listeners to check out uh, John's ballot. You can just Google his name and and uh, follow along with uh, what he wrote. Um, in regards to who he voted for and why, but we're going to get into more details uh, from John, why he voted for certain guys and what he thinks about their their future candidacies. But let's start with who you actually didn't vote for, John, and he got into the Hall of Fame this year. That was Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, why didn't you vote for him, and, and why did you vote for the other three that did get into the Hall? Well, you know, with Guerrero, it, it, it was it, it was more a fact of you can only vote for ten players, and uh, I don't particularly like that rule. A lot of other people that vote also don't like that rule, but it's the Hall of Fame's rule, and it is their it is their Hall of Fame, and I mean, I respect that, and I respect the fact they ask us to vote, uh, and you can only get so many guys on the ballot, and I, I guess maybe I'm a guy who just sort of discounts Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, a little, I, I look at it, and I, I mean, he was a great player, but to me, he, he never, he never was a guy. And maybe I underestimated him, but I just thought there were ten better players on the ballot. Uh, I mean, I know he had some great years, but when I look at the totality of his career, I, I think he was a very good player. I, I don't know if he was, you know, uh, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. But in a situation where I can only vote for ten guys. 
I thought there were ten guys on the ballot better than him. If, if I mean, if I could, if there were twelve, if I were a twelve-man limit, I would have voted for him most likely. So it was just the fact, or, fact of him not making the cut, than me not thinking he's a Hall of Famer, and, and that was uh, that was pretty much why I didn't get him in. I, I looked at things, and you know, probably the fact that he played anonymity hurt him in, in my even in my book. You know, he played, you know, the bulk of his career in Montreal, and even some of his great years and. You know, he played in Anaheim. Uh, you know, they kind of get lost, him being on the West Coast and him playing on the number two team in the market when he was with the Angels. But certainly he's a Hall of Famer. And some other guys, Edgar Martinez, who I'm sure you're going to ask me about next and not voting. Uh, you know, he, yeah. again, I think Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. But, again, you can only vote for 10. And I would say there were 14 or 15 guys on that ballot. You can make legitimate cases, Hall of Famers. But, Unfortunately, with the rules being the way they were, Dave, I could not get everyone on the ballot. And getting back to your original right. question, the three I voted for, I think Chipper Jones was a no-brainer, clearly one of the greatest third basemen in the history of the game, one of the greatest switch hitters in the history of the game. Could mm-hmm. do it all, you know, I mean, he hit for power, hit for average, had an on-base percentage of nearly 400 in his career, uh, was a pretty decent fielder to, uh, you know, a stalwart on on, a te- on teams that won so many division titles in a row, uh, you know, uh, set the record. I believe it was 14 in a row. I, I know he wasn't on all of those teams, but he was on a majority of those 14 teams. Uh, you know, uh, I think Trevor Hoffman. I, I know you can debate this day ad, ad nauseum. I, I know uh, there's a certain segment of people believe that closers uh, shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. They only pitch one inning and mo- most of the time. And but. I will say this as somebody that's covered baseball for 30 years. I, I do get the sabermetric argument on that, that, you know, these guys don't pitch that many innings. But as somebody who has been inside clubhouses, has been around baseball teams, baseball players for 30 years, from a psychological standpoint, if a team doesn't have a good closer, it makes a huge difference. If If, if teams don't have that confidence that, hey, if we take a lead into the late innings, we're going to win uh, – it can destroy a team season. I've seen it happen a couple times over the years where, where teams have lost closers and and just uh, their seasons have fallen apart. And I, and I think Trevor Hoffman, 601 saves, whether you like the save rule or not, it is a rule, it, it is a statistic, and, and it's the second most in history. And uh, I think there is no doubt in my mind that, that he's one of the great relief pitchers ever and deserves to be in. And, uh, you know, and Jim Tomey, I think, you know, another no-brainer, over 600 home runs, uh, you know, was uh, also uh, always good for 100 walks a year. Uh, he uh, drove in runs, scored runs, which I think a lot of people overlook. He wasn't the fastest uh, guy by any means, a big guy. And also took a, a franchise, uh, the Indians, which was pretty much a laughing stock for the better part of four decades. And, you know, along with uh, Omar Vizquel and uh, Albert Bell and a few other players there, uh, took a, uh, a struggling franchise and put it on its back and turned it into a powerhouse in the, in the 90s and into the early 2000s. So, uh, you know, I think you, you look at the four and, uh, you know, certainly all four deserving of going into Cooperstown. And, you know, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a tough call, though. Like I said, there's so many good players on the ballot right now that, uh, you know, I, like I said, I could have made a case for 14, 15 guys to, to vote for. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I would have felt fine and dandy put an X next to their name. Yeah, sure. Hunter? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. 
Um, we did have a, uh, a question. Um, there was a lot of um, momentum, uh, I guess, uh, surrounding um, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, two guys I grew up watching a lot because um, I think I was only around eight or nine when they were really still doing their thing. Um, um, I saw on your ballot that you did vote for both players. Um, why did you vote for uh, both players this year? Well, I think, and I have all six years they've been on the ballot, Hunter. I think, uh, in my mind, you know, I think they're two of the greatest players in the history of baseball. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know they're tainted by the whole steroid era thing, and I know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, if not physical evidence, that they use PEDs. But in my mind, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you can tell the history of the game and just forget that two of the greatest players in, in the history of the game ever existed. And, I mean, whether you love them or hate them, what you think of the steroid use, whether you think it's not that big of a deal or whether you think it's a, a capital crime in your estimation, you know, and I mean you, meaning colloquial you, not just you individually. I mean, the bottom line is Bonds has the most home runs in the history of baseball and was a tremendous mm-hmm. player, and you make a pretty good point offensively that he's probably the second greatest player in the history of baseball behind Babe Ruth when, when you look at his OPS, OPS+, plus, things of that nature. Uh, and Roger Clemens won 355 games, and he's uh, one of the top strikeout pitchers. And uh, I just think, to me, they were two of the greatest players ever. And, you know, I think they were that way even before the suspected steroid use later in their careers. And, and I, uh, my, my feeling is I don't know who used and who didn't. I mean, I have my suspicions, and, you know, I know, certainly we all know more about steroids and what to look for now than we did when they were playing. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think anyone knew for sure uh, what was going on at the time, but, you know, I just think that they should be in, and uh, that's why I voted for both. Yeah, that that's the thing, because I know Dave and I have had this argument before, and uh, we both agreed at the time that, that Bonds and Clemens had had Hall of Fame careers before you really got to that point where you could see that um, their bodies changed like they did, you know, Clemens to get a sense of fastball back. Uh, Bonds is quicker with his bat. But, yeah, they were both Hall of Famers, but it's unfortunate because it seems like they're stuck around 50% now. And I, I don't think – I can't see – I'm actually climbing any higher than what they have. It does seem like their their momentum is stalled, uh, for better or for worse. Yeah, I think it did this year. I mean, you know, they picked up like seven or eight percent each of the last two years, and now this year they only picked up a couple percent, which is still moving forward, but forward, but certainly at a much at a slower pace than, than the last couple of years and. I think it's going to be tough for both of them to get to that 75% with only four years left, and both of them are around, like you said, 55 56%. Uh, I don't think it's impossible. I think the one rule that has helped them a bit is now uh, it used to be once you had 10 years in the baseball writers, uh, you had a vote for life regardless if uh, you went on and didn't cover baseball or weren't even in the – you know, media business anymore, and it has changed. Now, once you are no longer an active member of the BBWAA, you have a vote for 10 more years, and then you fall off the rolls. So I think what what may help them a little is a lot of the veteran writers who didn't vote for them are starting to, to lose their votes. 
that may help their percentages a little bit, Bonds and Clemens, and the fact that more younger writers come on who kind of uh, dismiss or if not totally dismiss, maybe don't put as much, uh, you know, aren't so anti-steroid in their voting, and they may pick up some votes that way. That might be their best hope to get in, but I think the way it stands now, it's going to be hard for either one to, to get to the 75% mark uh, it, within the next four years before they have their 10 years on the ballot and then they drop off the ballot. Right. Well, let's look at how many actually went in this year, and I agree with you. I think all four are definitely uh, worthy of being in the hall. I have no arguments with any any of the players that uh, the writers voted in this year. Uh but four is a very high number, actually, of players voted in by the writers. Uh, were you surprised to see that many elected in this year? And, and do you uh, think that's a trend moving forward? You know, I, I think you're going to see the number drop off a little bit now. You know, what happened there for, for the one year, I believe it was 2009, nobody went in. And then in 2010 and 11, only one uh, player got elected. And, you know, and there were a lot of people, a lot of confusion. Got people, should you vote for the steroid guys? Shouldn't you? And, and, and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, because of that, there would become a backlog of candidates. And there's been a real logjam. And, you know, and, and as I said earlier, even now I can make a case there were guys I didn't vote for who I wish I could have voted for. And there was a time when I started voting back in the late 90s. Rarely did I vote for the full allotment of 10 that I'd be allowed to vote for. There just weren't that many great candidates on the ballot. And I think a lot of that logjam of of great candidates that weren't getting in is starting to break now because we've elected 12 players here in the last total in the last four years. So I think you may see, you know, a, a, a bit smaller classes now. I, I think next year the only surefire first-year man on the bout will be Mariano Rivera, though Roy Halladay will, will certainly get a lot of support. He may get 75% of the vote needed to get in. But, uh, yeah, to, to get to your, to get back to your question, yes, uh, I, I do think uh, four, four – well, four is, uh, ties the, the most ever that, that's gone in by the writers' vote in one year since the hall opened in the 30s. So, it is an you know an abnormally large class, and then you throw in the fact that the Veterans Committee uh, elected uh, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell last month at the winter meeting. So you're going to have six people go in this year, which is a very yes. big class. And uh, I do think it will it's more of an aberration than the norm, and and I think you'll probably see uh, next year and in, in, the, in the ensuing years uh, that the classes won't be quite that large. Dave. Uh, John, you pretty, made it pretty clear that you're uh, an advocate for uh, Edgar Martinez and, and putting him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, was that about 70% this year going into his last year of on the ballot next year, correct? Yeah. Uh, 704 Seven, 74, 70.4%, um, one year left next year on the ballot. Um, can you make your case for his candidacy real quick for our listeners? Yeah, oh, I think so. Yeah, I, 
you know, I think uh, he was clearly one of the best hitters of his generation. I, and I know there's still some people who say, well, he was a designated hitter. That that doesn't count. But 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 I think that's more of the old school writers. And I, you know, I kind of fall in the in between. I have one foot in the old school, one foot in the new school, and I I, I, I really do. I'm kind of of that era. And uh, I understand both arguments. Uh, and, and there was a time probably when I started voting, if he'd have been on the ballot in 1998, my first year as a voter, I probably would have dismissed him a little easier and uh, said, you know, he's a DH. He's not a full-time player. But, you know, we've come to yeah. all understand how important the DH is. I mean, David Ortiz, when he gets on the ballot, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll get in. And, you know, he's close enough. And, and we've seen, especially with Tim Raines last year, you know, when these when, when players get – start to really gain momentum. Burt Bly Levin was the same way a few years, about, about, I guess, 10 years ago now, whatever it was, he got in. Once they get real close, they really get that bump the last year on the ballot. I think even the voters that maybe didn't vote for, for guys in the past realize, well, man, they're this close. They've gotten this much support. They deserve to go in. When And I think that'll be the case with Edgar. And, you know, I, I would be shocked if he, uh, as close as he got this year, I'd be shocked. And like I said, especially with the fact that, that it's not a next year is a case where there aren't a whole lot of surefire guys on the ballot for the first time uh, that might push him down in people's minds. I, I think he'll get in next year, Dave. I, and again, like I said, I'd be just utterly shocked if he didn't get to that 75% threshold. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the DH point because I, I think that's something that I kind of use as well against him. But when you look at Frank Thomas, actually Frank Thomas DH'd more often than he played first base in his career. And you know who else did? And I, I think a, people, a lot of people don't realize this, and especially because his playing career is even you know a little further back than Frank Thomas's. But Paul Molitor DH'd more than he played in any position. Now Paul Molitor also was played more premium defensive positions. He was a second baseman, a third baseman most of the, most of the time when he played in the field. But, yeah, I agree. I think that stigma is, is going. And, and like you said, I, I do think, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize Frank Thomas. And, and again, Frank was a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Nobody thought twice of him. But, again, I, right. I think with yeah. DH, I still think power. And while Edgar Martinez did hit for power, he didn't have the, the home run numbers that Frank Thomas or, or David Ortiz had. <laughs> And I think he's had to overcome that a little bit. But, boy, you look at his numbers on the whole, and even though he didn't hit 500 home runs or even 400, I mean, you look at his, his slugging percentage, you look at his on-base percentage, you look at his doubles, you look at, you know, just, just what he meant to that uh, offense in Seattle and, and the numbers he put up. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's a guy who's really – as people have gone on and, uh, and voting is involved in statistics, you know, advanced statistics, advanced metrics, saber metrics, you know, as they've gotten more and more into the mainstream and more writers understand them, pay more attention to them. Uh, I think that's really helped his candidacy and helped, uh, helped everyone, you know, not just the media, but the fans too, truly realize what a great career he had. Yeah. Slugging percentage. Yes, yes, he really, really did. Hunter, uh, you want to uh, chime in? Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these players, I mean, kind of like, I didn't get to watch them since you know I'm only like twenty, but um, I do have um, a question, uh, John. Do you know when um, 
uh, one of the, one of the players I think will be on the ballot. Do you know when um, Alex Rodriguez will be on the ballot if he ever will? I believe it'll be in three years, if I'm not mistaken. It's five years after he played. I'm trying to think when A Rod's last year would have been. Now would have been, I guess, 2016. Yeah, so 18, 19, mm-hmm. yeah, after, the 21. Yeah, after the 21, yeah, in the winter. Well, the, the, for he'd, he'd first be eligible to be inducted in 2022. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I, I was just wondering, yeah. I think a lot of people that year, like depending on, of course, how many people are um, on the ballot, um, I also do think a lot of people are going to vote for him despite um, his massive suspension um, that cost him the whole season, I think. You know, it'll be an interesting case, and, and again, I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, strictly by the numbers, Hunter, I mean, he had a tremendous career. I mean, clearly one of the mm-hmm. best players in baseball history, not just oh, yeah. his generation. I would vote for him, and, and again, I think uh, by then you'll have more of the older, older voters who are no longer covering baseball that are more dug in, the anti-steroid uh, group of voters. You'll have fewer of those voting. You'll have more younger crowd, uh, younger writers. We'll have 10 years in who remember Rodriguez uh, more for what he did and maybe discount the steroid suspension more than the older writers would. I think that'll work in his favor. And I think the fact that he's really tried to rehabilitate his image uh, on TV is a, is a very good television analyst. He's very good now. He's going to certainly yes, be in the spotlight again with the SPN mm-hmm. on the Sunday night mm-hmm. games uh, this upcoming season yeah. with uh, him and Matt, Matt Vazgerzian and Jessica Mendoza, the new Monday night, or Sunday night team. Uh, I think all that is going to help. And, uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, it's still hard to predict with with, this, with the guys that do have the steroids uh, next to their names. But uh, I, I do think with, with more time passing that I think his chances will be pretty good. He may not go in on the first ballot, but – I think he will get in, and I, I think, uh, you know, it will just be a matter of when more than if. Okay. Um, I, I have a question as far as a couple of pitchers, and there's been an argument about these two for a long time, uh, and they're starting to actually climb up the ballot, and you had them both on your ballot this year. Uh, the, the Schilling and Messina debate, uh, will, do you think those will eventually get in? Yeah, I think Messina definitely. Uh, I think both will, and I, I think Messina maybe sooner rather than later. He's really taken a big jump here in the last couple of years. Uh, his first couple of years on the ballot, he uh, you know he was in the twenty percent range, twenty five percent range. I voted for him every year he's been on the ballot. To me, he was one of the premier pitchers of his era. And uh, you know, again, I, I know that uh, you know wins don't matter in some people's eyes in, in this day and age. I still believe wins. <laughs> count uh he had 270 of them including 20 in his last year when he retired on top of his game uh you know i, I think he was uh, had a good era his other statistics his peripherals if you will also were good uh you know i, I know the knock on on him was he doesn't have much of a postseason uh pedigree and and you know i mean part of that uh, was he didn't really pitch on a lot of great teams in baltimore i mean teams that were playoff worthy and Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, only some of that is under your control. And, you know, to me, I think he was a, was a great, one of the best pitchers of his generation, and I think there's no doubt. And with Kurt Schilling, you know, I know some people ding him for his outspoken ways 
here, especially since his retirement. And, you know, he's obviously his controversy got him fired off the ESPN gig on Sunday Night Baseball. And, you know, whether you like his politics or not, to me, is irrelevant when it comes to Hall of Fame voting. I'm voting for him what mm-hmm. he did as a player. He can be annoying as a post yeah, <laughs> retired player. <laughs> I mean, I know his counting statistics may be a little short, but you also have to take into account context now that he pitched in an era and all the pitchers that are coming after him are now pitching in an era where it's harder to get wins. You don't pitch complete games anymore. Uh, guys don't don't pitch deeper in the games. Uh, I mean, you look at his numbers; they were tremendous. And then you add in the, the intangibles. I mean, he helped the Phillies get to the World Series. He helped yep. the Diamondbacks win a World Series. He helped the Red Sox win a World Series. And you know, even though he could be a drama king at times, he, I mean, the bloody sock game was, yeah. you know, pretty amazing uh-huh. to have a cadaver, <laughs> cadaver's ligament. <laughs> Uh, you know, sewn into his ankle so he could pitch in a World Series. I mean, that's uh, you can't make that up. And you know, the bottom line is he, is he was a heck of a pitcher, and you know, and he was money in the postseason. And and I, I just think uh, you know he he deserves he he deserves to be in on his on his playing record, no doubt. You know, and, and I agree with you on that. It, it take the off the field stuff. And set that aside, you really have to judge these guys on what they did on the field, uh, whether they're worthy or not. And I know that's difficult for a lot of people to do, but, yeah, I mean, personally, no. I I have no interest in ever knowing Kurt Schilling, talking to the man, or, or, you know, he he can go away as far as I'm concerned, but you got to take his (laughs) statistics as a pitcher (laughs) And, and put those up and let those speak for his Hall of Fame uh, uh, qualifications. Oh, no doubt, you know, and I agree. And I, I think, uh, you know, and I know there are some people that hold, uh, you know, what he, what he said. And, and, I've, and I even had some people uh, very angrily tweet at me uh, that I voted <laughs> for him and, you know, called me a racist and everything else. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Just because I voted what? for the guy doesn't mean I endorse his political opinions. I'm not voting right. for him in a public election. Or This is, you know, it's not like I voted for him into office. I voted for him into the Hall of Fame. It's, <laughs> it's two different things. But, yeah, it is amazing. I will take a moment, and, you know, it's interesting, you know, you, you say that. But it is amazing to me how many fans – are passionate about the Hall of Fame and the voting. And, you know, and, and some of it's, I mean, a lot of it's good. But even when I get some angry, hateful correspondence, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or email, it does amaze me how how passionate people are about this. And, and I think mm-hmm. really, you know, it's good for the game of baseball. And, I mean, you don't see this kind of debate when the Hall of Fame elections come in the other sports. And, and I think that's one great thing baseball has going for it. And I think that's uh, that's something, uh, you know, I mean, it generated a lot of publicity for a sport here uh, in the dead of winter this week. And you don't see that yeah. when the other sports elect their, uh, elect their uh, candidates, uh, their, their new hall, announce their new Hall of Fame classes. You know, that that's very true. And considering that baseball hasn't had a lot going on uh, this off season. Uh, it, it's really contributed to the to the conversation. Oh, it really has, and uh, you know, it's a fascinating process. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm very 
honored every year when that ballot comes in the mail. And, and you know, like I said earlier at the, at the beginning of our interview here or visit, uh, it's it's an honor, and I, I don't take it lightly. And I'm I'm very very honored to to be able to be part of it. And it's very special, and I, I feel very blessed to have the opportunity to to to, to be uh, to be a part of the the, the electorate. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Dave, you want to talk- uh, wrap this up? You have another question? Sure, sure. Yeah, I was just going to say we're talking with John Parado, Pittsburgh sports writer, also member of the BBWAA. Uh, before we let you go, John, just wanted to ask you, I, I think I might know what you're going to say, but if there are any, if there's one change you could make to the voting process, what would it be? I, it would definitely, yeah, and I think, yeah, like you said, as I mentioned earlier, and I've mentioned in a couple stories I've written uh, here this year and certainly in past years, the 10-player uh, limit. And at one point, uh, you know, I thought that it was never really a problem. Like like I said, uh, early, many years, probably the first 12, 13 years I voted, I didn't even really the 10-player limit never really came into account. I, I think the most I ever voted for in a year was – eight maybe nine players but now like i said with with so many good players on the ballot uh, it's hard to look at and realize that you cannot vote for everybody you want to vote for and you're basically thinking here's a guy who's a hall of fame player and i can't do my part to help get him to the hall of fame by voting for him because there are just 10 players better than him and i wish really wish they would raise the voting limit even if even if it's not unlimited to at least 15 would be great even if they just raised Hmm. it to 12 would be a would be a step in the right direction but the hall of fame is very dug in on this unfortunately as they've told us uh who has uh, you know us being the baseball writers association and uh and again i respect that i may not like it but it is their it is their Hall of Fame, it is their organization, and they can do what they see fit, but I really wish they would reconsider their stance on it. Well, I want to well, thank you, John, John, for coming on with us. Uh, this is just fantastic, uh, uh, what you've given us here today on the show. Uh, John Perrotto, you can find him on Twitter, at J-P-E-R-R-O-T-T-O, uh, Jay Perrotto, and... Uh, you know, this is fantastic being able to talk to somebody who, who's part of this uh, process, and uh, and I, I thank you very much for being on. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, thanks so much, John. This has been great. <clears throat> yeah, John, thank you so much. It was great. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right, that was John Parado, uh, longtime member of the Baseball writers, uh, you know, of America. And we're going to go into a break. After we come out of our break, we're going to talk some football, Uh, get into the uh, Patriots and what they're about to do. And are they a threat to the Steelers' legacy? (laughs) Coming back right after this. Are you looking for a fun and creative way to enjoy fitness? Whether for health, wellness, or as a hobby, Katie Sunshine Hoops is the answer. Affordable, custom-made by-hand hula hoops, fitness hoops, art pieces, hoop dancing videos, and advice are available at www.katysunshinehoops.com. And we're back on Weekend Sports Huddle. 
This is Tom Pollan along with Dave Holcomb and Hunter Hodes. This show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you toward wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. And invite you to call in if you have any opinions on, on what John Parado had to say. Just a uh, fantastic uh, uh, guest and, and gave us a lot of insight and, and, and was a joy to talk to. Uh, give us a call, 516-387-1417. But uh, we're coming into you, our – go ahead. Tom, I just wanted to say – yeah, John was an excellent guest. We kept him a little bit longer than we were planning, but I, I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation because I think we were just – I just love talking with him and, and picking his brain and, and uh, you know, who he, who he wants to vote for and, and uh, who he thinks he should vote for in the, in the process. And, you know, I think I might have a new career goal to try and, and, and earn uh, a vote in the Baseball Hall of Fame balloting, Tom, but you know what? Thinking about it, I don't think I envy John. He's got so many tough, tough decisions to make every year with with who to vote yes. for. It's amazing, <laughs> and, and especially uh, he was talking about Twitter and the reaction you can get off of Twitter. It, it's so much different than than the way it used to be even 20 years ago, where you could put right. your Hall of yeah. Fame ballot out there. Now everybody can re- not only react to your Hall of Fame ballot, they can come at you. And, and react directly to you about your ballot yeah. and what you did. And and I always said I, I never knew what an idiot I was until I actually started writing. So uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, uh, yeah. And then, you know, there's some there's some writers that won't publicize their ballot for that reason. And I think John is very courageous for for publicizing who he votes for. Yes, yes, definitely. <clears throat> uh, heading into well, we're kind of in our, our uh, yes, Tom. Let's let's talk league. about what Steeler fans want to hear about now. This is this is what Steelers want. To, Steeler fans want to hear about it. I know Hunter lo- really wants to talk about this topic. Oh, I think so too. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I want New England is getting ready to play in its tenth Super Bowl. Uh, it's record for a NFL team. Uh, we got Brady and Belichick, who have five championships more than any other coach or quarterback during the Super Bowl era. Uh, also have the most Super Bowl appearances with eight, most conference championships with 12, uh, more than the Broncos and the Raiders. Um, That's just let's, incredible let's compare, to me. That, what? Just incredible. Just incredible that, you know, Broncos and Raiders are, are pretty successful franchises in NFL history, right, in the Super Bowl era. And, and Tom Brady by himself has more championship appearances, championship game appearances than, than those franchises. It's, it's amazing. Well, I was about to say the Broncos and Raiders did not do that under one quarterback, too. That's, that's a thing. Right, yeah. Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, why don't you make your – but make your argument, because you've been saying this week, uh, as we've been talking amongst ourselves, that, you know, really – yeah, this is no threat to the Steeler dynasty. Um, that the Steelers dynasty still stands on its own, and, and Hunter's had quite a different opinion. Uh, I want you to go ahead and make your case, Dave. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the sparring between Hunter and I will begin again, round two after last week. Uh, I, I, 
I, I think that you have to kind of look at the two eras um, differently. It's getting harder and harder to compare different eras in football because there's just so many changes to uh, the way players are, are uh, tra- how they train, the rules in the, in the game, um, the, the human body. Uh, you can't hit players the same way now. You can't play defense the same way that you could uh, even 10 years ago, but definitely not 30, 40 years ago. So uh, it, it's getting harder to, to compare the two, um, and you kind of just have to compare what each team does in their specific era. And there's no doubt that New England has dominated this era. Uh, they, if they win next week, they will be the second team to repeat twice in the Super Bowl era. That would be another record. They would tie of the Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh is currently the only team that's repeated twice in, in the last uh, uh, 52 years. So I, I know that the story this week is going to be all about how New England is becoming the greatest franchise in NFL history. They're passing the Steelers or tying them in a lot of different cases. Uh, and and I, I guess I would just encourage Steeler fans to, to not get defensive. And I think what's so unique about New England, New England is unique in that really only two people have been there for the span of the whole run of success. Uh, Obviously, the ownership has been there, but the coach and the quarterback, those are the two guys that are driving this dynasty. And that's – there's no other coach or quarterback that's together has had had so much success as as Belichick – and Brady, um, and previous dynasties with the Steelers and the 49ers and the Cowboys, it was it was basically a young group of players coming together at the same time and having a tremendous five, six, seven, eight year run. New England has had a coach and quarterback come together at the perfect time and have had a a tremendous seventeen year run. So. I think it's it makes the two eras makes it hard to, to compare the two, but uh, also the, there's differences in the way you can construct your uh, roster now because of the salary cap. So, um, and Belichick I think has done such a great job of of maneuvering that roster, making sure he's ahead of the the salary cap. He never gets into trouble and he continues to. Uh, turn out great teams despite having player turnover like like crazy he's not he hasn't had constant players like chuck knoll did like bill walsh did it, what belichick has been able to do is 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 incredible and then we have a game like we had this past sunday when i'm just about to, to argue that oh, belichick is the real reason why new england's had the success well brady has his third 10 point deficit comeback in a playoff game in the last four years and and he marks his own uh puts his name back in the in the argument of well he's the number one driving force for new england so uh it's it's just incredible what they've done but uh, again I, I don't think they're a threat to the steelers and i encourage steeler fans not to get defensive this week or or, or next week if new england wins and i think they will because the Steelers' legacy is secure. You know, I, I, I really believe that. I believe that even though you know Noel's record no longer stands, Bradshaw's record doesn't stand, um, you can't take away what the Steelers did from 1974 to 79, winning four Super Bowls in six years, an incredible accomplishment on its own, that, that even New England, at least not yet, 
has been able to match. So uh, I, I think that, and I think where the 49ers stand in history uh, will, will, will stand. And New England is just carving out its own legacy to really stand right next to the Steelers and these other dynasties and not replace it. So that's why I think I would deliver the message to Steeler fans to, to not, to not, to try not to hate. I'm not asking you to root for New England. I'm not going to root for them either, but uh, try not to hate and, and, and just admire the, the, uh, the excellence that we're getting from this, this team that we're probably never going to see again. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, and I've always said that, you know, in the, in this country, you know, sports fans, it seems like, you know, we 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 look for excellence, uh, we demand excellence, and then when we get it, uh, we're the first to tear it down, and <laughs> and, I, and I think that's just the way it is, and I think that's the way you see it with the Steelers, uh, with the Patriots. Um, and, and yeah, I remember those, I've watched those seventies, uh, Steelers teams and I know how dominant they are and they're not going to go away. I, you think about the sixties Packers, the sixties Packers, you know, they at the beginning yeah. of the Super Bowl era, at the end of the NFL championship area, uh, that's not right. going to go away. Their accomplishments aren't being diminished. Your accomplishments right. can't be right. diminished. So, right. you know, yeah. Take a look at this at this run of excellence that New England has put together. Now, Hunter, go ahead. Trash Dave's argument. Uh, he, you know, this forum is now open to you. Oh, Dave asked the impossible. Everyone is going to trash New England. It's what we all do. <laughs> it, it, oh, it's too, I'll try my hardest, but you know, I can't. I can't say I'm not going to make fun of them. It's hard to share a, a record with a team that's just. Um, uh, I don't need to share my true thoughts on that, or else I'll get fired or something. But it's just—it's hard to lose a record with the organization that's been busted for cheating twice. It just it makes me sick to my stomach. Um, I mean, uh, well, um, remember, Hunter, there's a fine there's a fine line between uh, cheating and gamesmanship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm really hoping for guys is that you know. Well, um, I don't. I don't think we win. have enough time to explain the two differences. No, I just yeah. I, all in all, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for well. I mean, it's hard really rooting for Philadelphia because, um, yeah, they uh they did some stuff this week. They basically um destroyed the city in in about three hours. And why um, are you surprised at that? It's Philadelphia. That's I don't understand I why people think this is news. It's Philadelphia, people. This is what they there's, do, and I don't mean yeah, that in a negative way. It, it, that's what it, that's just who they are, and accept it. No, I, I know. I, yes, I know that <laughs> I've lived there. I've gone there many times. I know how their fans act. Uh, um, it's, and then you know, I'm really just hoping for if the Patriots win, you know, good. They they tie our record, but you know what? Hopefully Brady rides off into the sunset, and then he can be done uh, terrorizing the league for the past almost 20 years, and then he can let yeah. other people, other quarterbacks, make their mark on history, like Aaron Rodgers, who's been stuck on one ring, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and, of course, ben, our, our wonderful Ben Roethlisberger, who's been dying to get his third <laughs> ring before he retires. He's got to earn that ring, Hunter. 
And, did, and you earn did. that ring by going against the best. If you can't beat Paul the best, Miz. you really deserve the ring. Problem is, he can't ever beat him. Well, whose fault is that? Is that the <laughs> Patriots' fault? The only team that's really beaten them is Denver, and that's because Denver would played in Denver, and they had their, they had they had one of the top five best defenses of all time. Uh, truly, Baltimore beat them. Baltimore beat them I in know, 2012. Yeah, yeah, I still, I can't believe that. I I look back on that, and I still can't believe they won that Super Bowl. Um, Baltimore almost beat them in 2014 too. I know they had a 14 yeah. point lead. Yeah, yeah. John Harbaugh always prepares them well. <laughs> so it, it it just you know again it it just comes off Hunter that. And, and, you know, it's not a bad thing. I know people do this, that, you know, it's a complete – nobody likes the Patriots. They're too successful. Uh, and then their fans but, are the worst, too. Their fans are so bad. <laughs> I've known to hundreds of so-called – Worse than the Eagles fans? Uh, no, not as bad as them. But I, I went to school with, like, hundreds of, you know, so-called Patriots fans, you know. I'd ask them. Yeah, um, who was the quarterback for Tom Brady? Uh, who? It's like you guys just bandwagon them when they're good, and then when he's, he's going to leave in a couple years, they're just going to go back to being not irrelevant like they were before he came. So, you know what, it's, it's – you know, it's, they're a great dynasty. Um, you know, they have the arguably, as Tom says, you know, the best head coach of all time. Um, uh, and, you know, it, it, what they've done is it, – it, it, seriously, it really is impressive. I don't know how you're good for this long – what um, he truly does an amazing job, but um, when they get bad, um, I'm not gonna feel sorry because their fan base is just awful, and a lot of fans are like that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dave, you want to put a wrap on this? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I I think the other the other important thing to to look back on it and, and whether or not. Big Ben gets another ring or, or not is is uh, something I guess we can debate another day. Um, but the Steelers have also had a lot of success in recent years. You know, um, yes. Other yes. than New England, I think New England is just on another level of everyone else. Like we just, it's New England, and then you compare yourself to the rest of the league at this point. Yeah. And the Steelers have been to three Super Bowls in the last twelve years. They won two of them. That's a pretty good run. Even if Ben doesn't get another ring, that's that's he has a Hall of Fame career already in my mind, and I think that's in a lot of people's minds. So yeah, of course we want him to get that third ring. I, I want the Killer Bees to to get the ring together, but oh, Big man. Ben's in a lot of cases, in in some ways, I guess I'm saying Big Ben's legacy is also pretty secure, and, and the Steelers. Let's not. Be, take for granted what they've done during this excellent era of, of Patriots dominance. Uh, Giants and Steelers are the only other teams that have won multiple times since uh, 2001. So, and the Giants uh, beat them twice. Right. So I, I, I think you, you can't take that for granted either as a Steelers fan. Um, yeah, they, they, they haven't ever beaten New England in a meaningful game, but uh, – I'm thankful for seeing two Super Bowl victories in my lifetime and, and, and hoping to see another one soon. But uh, I, I know I know Tom is dying to see another one and, and would love to take oh, the man. two 
Super Bowls that the Steelers have had since 2005. So also be thankful for what we've been able to see, Steelers fans. The the dinosaurs were around the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl. Oh, give me a break. Hunter, just for that (laughs) next week, you better learn the words to the Super Bowl shuffle because... uh, No, we're not. We're never doing that. We're going to celebrate the Super Bowl with the ultimate trash talk uh, with the 85 Bears shuffling crew shuffling on down, doing it for you. Okay? That was the uh, worst video I've ever watched. Did oh, you watch come on. It wasn't thing? that bad. It was... Uh, I, I, I sadly sat through it, and I, cr- I cringed my head. You watched the whole thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was sad. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, we're almost out of time with the show. And I don't know if we have time to really go in and do hockey justice this this week. Oh. Uh, we're just going to mention that the Penguins are waking up. They've won eight of their last 11 going into the break uh, and are in a playoff spot, are looking to, to go back into the playoffs. Uh, looking for a third-line center. Uh, who do you think might be a possibility for a third-line center? You think? Uh I saw one they have rumored to, uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I love saying that name. <laughs> yeah, Hunter wrote a, an article about him. Tell, to tell our listeners where they can find that article. <clears throat> uh, it's on uh, lastwordonhockey.com, and I wrote about uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I, th- I think he'd be a very good fit for the uh, Penguins. And um, the best part is, guys, we get to do the uh, the Pajot chant that they do in Ottawa. They do the uh, lay chant, and they just make it into Pajot. So um, that's another great reason to get him, since we can adopt that. Okay. And the Blackhawks won last Thursday night. That was the first time in four games coming out of their bye week, uh, beat the Red Wings 5-1. to one. <laughs> they, There are some bright spots in the Blackhawks lineup. Rookie Alex DeBrincat uh, recorded his first career hat trick. Uh, newly acquired Anthony Duclair, uh who the Blackhawks got for Richard Panic uh, scored his first goal for the Hawks and had an assist. So some bright spots in the Blackhawks lineup, but there, when you come right down to it, they're, they're still last in their division. Uh, they're four points out of the last wild card spot, but have four teams to overcome. Corey Crawford still out, no timeline for his return. Uh Buyers or sellers, what do you think as far as the Blackhawks? Do they have anybody to sell? Uh, Brent Seabrook, but I hope no one takes him. If someone helps out Chicago with that contract, I'm going to write a letter to that general manager saying how awful you are at your job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't see Seabrook Seabrook, uh, going anywhere, especially with that uh, uh, contract. And I, I really, I, I don't think, I think this is the end of the road for this, uh, for this Blackhawks team because I can't see them, especially with uh, Crawford on the sidelines, I can't see them making a, a comeback over four teams to get into that final wildcard <laughs> spot. But we will go into that in more detail next week, go into the Penguins in more detail next week, do our mm-hmm. Super Bowl preview. Uh, Hunter more and more I are going to do the Super Bowl shuffle. And because Hunter's <laughs> one last pick, baby, one last pick. And we do want to thank 
John Perrano, who uh, came on, discussed his uh, Hall of Fame voting, uh, part of the one, a person who he has a vote for the Hall of Fame and, and really gave us some great insight and was a fantastic guest. Again, you can get him at J-P-E-R-R-O-T-T-O on Twitter. This has been Weekend Sports Huddle. This is Tom Pollan. Join us again next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week.